Hey, I'm Micah. And I'm Jen. From 1994 to 1996, Jen lived in the middle of nowhere, Montana. But not by choice. She was sent to a therapeutic boarding school. I had some issues. While there, she performed hard labor. There was also a lot of forced exercise. Went through daily, hours-long group therapy. That shit didn't work. And when she left, she was left with some holes in her life. Holes? One of the holes was their pop culture hole. Yeah, I missed a lot of shit. And that's a hole we can fill. Fasten your overalls. It's time for... I never saw that. Ding-a-ling-a-ling! What, what was that? Did you hear that? No. What was that? Ding-a-ling-a-ling! Oh, that, right there. Did you hear that? Oh, yeah, that? Yeah. I heard that. That was... Some angel getting its wings or some shit. Oh, angels. This episode of My So-Called Life was called So-Called Angels. I have a quick recap here. If you guys are ready, here we go. Christmas in Three Rivers. By the way, I didn't even know that was the name of their town. We yeah, thought I, they were in I thought they were Philadelphia. in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, I mean. Yeah. Oh, Philadelphia. Now, I think... now we're going to get the tweets at us. I think Three Rivers must be just like a suburb outside of Pittsburgh. Her neighborhood or something. Christmas in Three Rivers finds Ricky out on the street after a fight with his abusive uncle. Angela, aided by a mysterious homeless girl, Juliana Hatfield, tries to help him, putting her at odds with Patty. Meanwhile, Brian faces Christmas alone. Oh, poor Brian. I almost forgot about that subplot, but there's some good stuff that comes out of it. We'll talk about that later. This one starts off differently. There was no credit sequence. We didn't get to hear the song that sounds exactly like St. Elmo's Fire. St. Elmo's Fire. Mm-hmm. And there's no narration at the beginning. Oh, real quick. I had an experience with a song thing today. I couldn't think of one last week, but you know, when you are singing a song and it turns into another song in your head? Yes. Today I was singing the song Vogue by Madonna. <laughs> yeah. And it melted into the Doc McStuffins theme song. Oh my god, can you please give us a little taste of that? No. I think, I mean, I think you kind of have to. Yeah, I'll try. Okay. You got to just let your body move to the music. Time for your checkup, time (laughs) for your checkup. Oh, I'm very sorry, I actually, everyone. I actually have a very nice singing voice. Yes, she does. That was not it. I'm, I'm apologizing for um, exploding in laughter right into your eardrums, but that was an unexpected transition. I, I thought when you used the word melted, I mm-hmm. thought that was an interesting choice, and I now I think it's even more interesting because that was more just like you sang two different songs. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't really. I mean, you did put me on the spot, and I don't I remember exactly how they how they blended together. But I decided, you know, we're trying. I was gonna yes and you, mm, okay. so I yes anded you. That's what yes, happened. Yes, you did. Thank yes, you. Yes, I did. Anyway, okay. so yes, this opens differently. Was it a Christmas song playing? I don't know. The beginning, I think so. This whole episode's about Christmas. Yeah, I don't. I just remember it starting right off the bat with Ricky coughing up blood in the snow. Yeah, that's the first thing we see. And I don't remember any music, but he is out on the streets in Three he's, Rivers. He's out in the snow, coughing up blood. That Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the very first thing we see, and it's so sad. And he course. gets up and walks away, and he walks past a woman sitting on the street with a guitar, and it's Juliana Hatfield. Yeah. 
and she's singing this song, which I wish I would have learned before now because I could sing that, but it went something like... So this episode apparently is going to be Jen. She's making up for all the times I sang. Mm-hmm. And she's going to be singing a lot. So so yeah, it's evident right from the beginning that Ricky... Is in trouble. Well, obviously yeah. he's in trouble. But he's either been in a fight or his uncle has beat him up. I, he never specifically says. No, they never in make the it episode, really clear. But, but it, it's pretty obvious It becomes that clear uncle, that it was his uncle. Or his aunt and uncle. Or, and he doesn't have yeah. a place to stay right now. Yes, so they kicked him out and then beat him up for how he is. So then, pretty quickly after that, we transition to the Chase household. And it's warm and cozy and Christmassy. Mm-hmm. And Angela is posed with her feet up on some piece of furniture because she has brand new boots that are very prominently displayed mm-hmm. and will come into play later. And I have issues that I want to bring up. Oh, good. And I know you do, too, because I have a quote that you said while we watched it. That I said? Yes. Or from the show that I commented on? A quote that from you. Let's hear it. No, it, it'll come up later. Oh. At the appropriate moment. Okay. It's kind of funny. They start, uh, Angela starts asking questions about God. Yeah, she's like asked if, why they never go to church. Yeah, and, and if they believe in God and all this stuff. And Graham and Patty are super awkward about it. Yeah. It's funny. They, like, don't want to say that they... I don't... I, I still don't know where they stand, I guess. Um, well, Patty Patty says she wants to go to church. Yeah. Anyway, who cares? Well, it um, comes up later. Does it? Oh. Yeah. Well, uh, I, the funny part of that scene was that Danielle was yes. like, can we stop talking about religion? It's Christmas. Yes, that was great. That was the only funny part. Oh, ABC just yeah they're like a christian network aren't they yeah i don't know used to be but i mean they they push that family christian family programming yeah but they're trying to be edgy with it and and subtle that was super subtle just like many other things in this yeah this episode was real subtle it was it was it was quite heavy-handed most of it worked for me though much of it did not work for me surprise what? <laughs> but you're not a cynical asshole. Oh, thank you for saying that. You're welcome. Mr. Bill. I don't know who that was that's I don't know either. guesting on our podcast right now. Anyway, so Ricky, no, we see them at school first. Yeah. Before he, he shows up, right? Okay. He comes to school early in the morning and he's. He comes to school. He's, he's got a, a big black guy. guy. He looks like shit. And Angela's really worried. And Rayanne's sort of like, yeah, this happens to him sometimes. And he doesn't like talking about it, so mm-hmm. let it go. And he's really hungry. He asks for change. He goes to get a candy bar before class, and Angela is clearly, like, distressed about what's going on yes. with Ricky. And then later, Ricky shows up at Angela's house. Late That night, he's, like, in the bushes, in the snow, acting like a creep show. Yeah. Because he has nowhere to go, and it's fucking snowy. Yeah. Uh, and he says that he had been at Rayanne's, uh, but Rusty, apparently Amber has a boyfriend named Rusty. And Rusty was there, and boy, was he unfriendly, is what Mm. Ricky said. So clearly he was kicked out of there or uncomfortable being there. So 
he came over to Angela's. I did want to go back because I think in here, Rand said something that I thought was really funny. In the high school scene when Ricky shows up, Ricky takes off and Rand and Angela are talking. And then Sharon, Sharon comes up and somehow it comes up that she's running a teen hotline. Mm, it's like the teen helpline. Teen helpline? Yeah. What about it? I don't know. Just making depressed people talk to someone like you. Couldn't that like... Push him over the edge. <laughs> I thought that was beautiful. Um, we also find out, we hear Patty and Graham talking about Brian's parents. Yeah, this plot was so strange to me. Brian's so, parents just left him. Yeah, they went on vacation. They went to Denver and they just left him behind. <laughs> it's so strange. It's like, I just, I never understood why he did not go with them. Yeah, it was really weird. He kind of explained it, but it still didn't make sense. So he's going to be alone on Christmas Eve, and that will come back up as well. This episode was just full of interweaving plot points. Well, let's stop saying that will come up <laughs> later and just talk about stuff. Um, Brian's parents left him behind at Christmas, and it turns out Brian is very sad about it and upset by it. And it, it felt like another sort of insight into his life. Patty is watching It's a Wonderful Life. At the beginning of this movie and throughout? Or was there just one scene It's on of that? the TV a few times. Yeah. So It's yeah. a Wonderful Life is a very, well, that's why we did that hilarious joke oh, at the beginning yeah. about the angel getting its wings because this was part of what was very handed, heavy handed about this episode was the It's a Wonderful Life stuff. And it's the, the second time were very similar. that It's a Wonderful Life is featured on a television in the background. In the first, I believe the pilot episode... It was on TV, and the name of the production company that produced My So-Called Life is Bedford Falls Productions yeah, or something. Yeah, so clearly the people who made this show love the movie It's a Wonderful Life. Somebody's a fan. And it is a beautiful movie. So, yeah, Ricky shows up at the chases, and it's awkward, and nobody really says anything, and I was so frustrated. Like, I just I wrote down, just talk to your friends. Be honest, because it was so frustrating. It's one of those things that you hate in movies or hate. TV shows and movies when people just don't communicate. And if they would say something really simple, it would everything would be different. But then there'd be no plot at all. But I was so pissed at Patty and Graham, and I wrote down over and over, "God damn it, Patty, don't fuck this up. Shut up, Graham. God damn it." Because yeah, they were the worst. They kept. They didn't ask any real questions, but all, everyone in the room could tell that something was wrong with Ricky and something was going down that was really bad. Um, and then he leaves. Well, and he they... leaves. So Angela talks to them. Yeah. And asks if he can stay the night because she's not sure that he has anywhere to go. And their response is this very typical white liberal <laughs> sort of response, yeah. you know, that's like, it's not our place. It's not our Patty place, exactly. Can't you just stay here for one night? Honey, it's not our place. What if his parents are expecting him? In theory, we are these loving and accepting people, but yeah. no, your friend cannot stay with us. And it, it was Patty's place when the white girl overdosed and she took care of her. And then she butted in repeatedly with her mom and made an ass of herself but it's not her place when someone comes into your house and is in, like, dire need of support. Yeah, it was very... It's not it her was, place. It was uh, very disappointing. Oh, I was so frustrated. 
and, and then of they course, talked afterward, about it. they're like, well, did we do the right thing? Right. And Graham is like, we well, if it would have been Brian Krakow, what would you have done? And she's like, well, that's not, that's different. I've known Brian since he was yeah. a kid. And it's like, well. And Brian's not bi. So what? Yeah. And they do kind of talk about that a little bit. They don't really come out and say it, but. Yeah. No, Graham says, I think he makes you uncomfortable. Yeah. And so they do, they do, they go there a little bit that this is a kid that they feel uncomfortable around. And so they fucking kick him out into the snow. Which I understand this is a real thing that people struggle with. So I'm glad they were portraying this, but it's still frustrating as fuck. So frustrating. And it's another reason I don't like these people. So Ricky leaves, goes back into town. He's standing on a street corner somewhere and the girl is nearby playing her guitar and... Jordan walks out of a building and sees Ricky there. And he's he's like, immediately Jordan knows. Jordan can tell that Ricky needs a place to stay. Or I don't know if he knows yeah. he needs a place, but he just obviously he can tell he's in trouble. He's like, can yeah, I give you a ride somewhere? Ride, yeah. And then they get in the car and Jordan says he knows a place that he can take him. And he's had to stay there a few times when his dad, when his dad. Yeah beats him up look you need some place to crash i know a place thanks my old man used to knock me around too he did hasn't done in a couple years though he's too scared because the last time through a chair at him. We haven't, I feel like we haven't gotten much insight into Jordan's home life, but it sounds like it's pretty abusive. Or it used to be, yeah. And Ricky comments to Jordan that he's, he's like, he thanks him and he's, he tells him, I'm going to light a candle for you on Christmas Eve. Oh yeah? Think that changes anything? Uh-huh. Oh, right. There is yeah. a lot of religious. Yes sort of stuff in this episode but yeah jordan takes ricky to an abandoned warehouse place on tennessee tennessee street yeah i don't they said the name of the street several times i don't know if there was some significance to that but um yeah it's this abandoned warehouse where a bunch of homeless people stay and so that's where ricky spends the night so the girl that angela keeps seeing Juliana Hatfield, the homeless girl with the guitar who's always playing this lovely little song. She shows up in weird places. She's in the band room. She Yeah, she comes into the band room after school. Angela hears her in there playing a song and she walks in and she says, I should go. I'm not supposed to be here. And Angela's like, yeah, I'm not supposed to be here either. She's in the band room and they're talking and she says, I shouldn't be here. And then she says, she also says... It's just so cold outside, and she talks about her boots, and she shows her that they're worn all the way through. And I thought, oh, Angela's going to give her her brand new boots, but she doesn't. Yeah. And then the next day at school, Jordan sees Angela, and Angela is worried about Ricky, and Jordan's like, is he still staying in that place? Angela's like, what place? So Jordan takes her to the place, Mm -hmm. and she crawls in through the wall. That's how you get in there. There's a hole in the wall yeah i was confused about that did jordan just drop her off there is that what jordan does he just drops people off at this i don't know they don't show how she gets back home so i I kind of think he might have 
just been waiting for her. Who knows? It's Jordan. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so she goes into this place and it's just really scary. And I mean, scary meaning it's just really dark. A lot of homeless people are staying there. And she goes upstairs and she hears the song again. She hears the girl playing the guitar and singing the song that she had been singing. And so she goes into, there's a little room that she's sleeping in. She goes in there and the girl says, oh, you're Ricky's friend, right? Mm -hmm. And then leads her to the room that Ricky is in. And when she leads her down the hallway to Ricky, that was the moment I was like, oh, I get it. She's Clarence. Clarence was the angel from It's a Wonderful Life who came when George Bailey tried or wanted to kill himself by jumping off a bridge. Clarence shows up. He's an angel. Saves George's life, basically, blah, blah, blah. So, so she's what... the angel looking after Ricky in this case, but using Angela as a conduit to save him. Yes. Yeah, so what I realized during that scene is that My So-Called Life is about a girl who sees ghosts, yes. like in the Halloween episode, and angels and talks to them. Mm-hmm. So she probably has schizophrenia or some other thing going on. Oh. And that's, no. That's she sees, what this whole show's about. She fucking sees ghosts, mm-hmm. dude. Well. And angels. So she goes to see Ricky. Mm-hmm. She tries to talk to him. And Ricky he's gets really, really angry. Yeah. And he's also, I mean, I'm sure he's fucking embarrassed. He's cold. Right. He's exhausted. He's, he's all the things. And she's trying to convince him to come home with her. And he's like, your family doesn't want me there. Okay, come on. What? I mean it. Come on, you're staying at my house. I'm not sponging off your family. Shut up. It wouldn't be like that. Angela, your parents don't want me around. That's not true. Ricky, please. Ricky, you can't be here. You can't. Tomorrow's Christmas Eve. And she just keeps trying, and he will not be convinced, and he finally yells. I can't talk about this. Not with you. If you want to help me, leave me alone. So she finally does leave, and mm-hmm. it's heartbreaking for it her, is heartbreaking. you can tell. And it's heartbreaking to watch, because you're like, are you really going to leave him there? Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I I watched that, and I'm like, I would have stayed in that. I would have sat down on the floor yeah. and fucking stayed there until he agreed to come with me, or spent the night there with him, or something, yeah. because, you can't just which, I don't know, you can't do that but... either, because then her parents would have freaked the fuck out, but. Right, which they do later. Anyway, so yes, she does leave him alone. She goes back into the other room and... The girl is sleeping. Yes, the girl is sleeping. The angel. Let's just call her the angel. She's a fucking angel. She's asleep. And so Angela trades shoes. Yeah, that's when she leaves her boots there for her. Angela then has to walk home in non-existent angel boots that are worn out. But that's the thing, Micah. They're not non-existent. But they have holes in them. So I hope Jordan was sitting out in red waiting for her. Yeah. She goes back home and Brian's there. Brian's there decorating the tree with her family. As he always is. He's just living as part of their family because his parents fucking left him at home. He's a 15 or 16 year old kid. They left him at home for Christmas. She and Brian end up sitting in the living room talking. Brian's asking her questions and Graham and Patty are listening in. And Angela's telling him that Ricky's in this place and telling him about how he lives in an abusive home and all this stuff. Yeah. And it's this conversation that's really like homeless people are just people. 
like kids like us what well there there's this whole theme yeah the way they do it is it's like really you've never you've never thought about the fact that, i mean but she hasn't she's never had to think about the fact that homeless people are just people and that it could happen you know this happened to her friend her friend is currently homeless so it's it's become something in her life that is more real than it has been before it's mm-hmm. just been this Right. Far off concept of, you know, yes, I understand that people don't have homes, which is, you know, that's how it is for a lot of us. But then really. what I was really struck by immediately after this, Patty and Graham are eavesdropping and then they come in and start talking to Angela about it. And my response to the teenagers talking about homeless people are just real people like us. I was even more annoyed because Patty and Graham are oh God, so yeah. much more naive and Right, because resistant. Angela, so the thing that Angela is coming to realize is that anyone could be homeless. It's not like you're born a different kind of person or you're born right. a bad person. You may be born into different circumstances. Uh, but she's like trying to explain to Patty, like I met this girl and yeah. I, oh, that's what, so she, she wants her, to invite yeah. Ricky and the girl to over. Day. For Christmas dinner. And Patty's just, like, not having it, of course. She's uptight as shit. So they get in a big fight, and Angela yells, she's just like me, Mom. She yeah. could be me. Like, and that's that's what she's her. saying. is like, like, with one little difference, it could be me. I could be that kid. And Patty's like, no, you couldn't. You're nothing like that. Yeah. And But you do realize, as the episode goes on, that that is scaring the shit out of Patty. That idea. Because when it's about her own daughter... It becomes something that she cares about, basically. Right. And that's yeah. when they finally act. So they go to the cops. Yeah. God, which I was like, are you fucking kidding me? And I was all excited. You're like, they're going finally going to gonna do something. That's what they did. They went and to they the, go to the police. Cops. Yeah. Again, a very white privileged suburbia thing to do. But, you know, whatever. That's what they thought was the right thing to do. They went to the cops. Angela went to the warehouse and found that it was empty. The cops had already swept it. And then you find out they took all the people and took them to this church. And they're housing them in the basement for the night. Yeah. So while the chases are all out going to the cops and going back to the homeless camp or warehouse, um, Brian... Just goes in the kitchen. Can I just say real quick? Yeah. I think we had the timeline a little off. Yeah. So Patty and Graham went to the cops first after talking with Angela. And then that's why Angela leaves. Because she finds out that they went to the cops. And she's like. That was the wrong thing to do. Why you would you fucking yeah. go to the cops? So that's when she goes back to the warehouse. But it has already been. Yeah. Swept. So Brian goes into the kitchen and uses the Chase's phone to call the teen helpline. Because he's all by himself at the Chase's house. Or is Danielle there with him somewhere? I, think, I don't know. But he's just there and he decides to call the teen helpline. And he's he's really sad and lonely because his parents left. He didn't think it'd be a big deal because um, they don't well, even celebrate Christmas. But he didn't want to be alone. And guess who answers the phone? It's Sharon and Rayanne. Yeah. Well, so this whole episode, Sharon has been trying to get people to do the helpline with her on Christmas Eve. And she starts, Rayanne makes a comment in the bathroom about how Rayanne doesn't have a whole lot going on that she wants to be at home for and maybe would even like to avoid being at home. And Sharon kind of capitalizes on that. She's, so she gets, she gets Rayanne to help her at the helpline. And it's really, it's the best part of the episode, really. I mean, it's the happiest part of the episode is the two of them 
they're eating donuts in the on the helpline and they're bonding and talking and it's just really sweet. I love it. And I think it's probably really good for Rayanne to do something nice for other people, although yeah. it's not really how it goes down. So Well, she does something kind of nice. It turns out all right. Yeah. But Brian calls and says his name is Steve. And <laughs> But she's like, it's Krakow. <laughs> yeah, she knows right away. And he asks, wait, do you go to whatever their high school is, Liberty? And he's, Rayanne's like, no, Steve. Yeah, she lies. Yeah. So then they talk for a little bit and he talks about how lonely he is. And Sharon isn't sure that Rayanne should be taking a call because she's not trained and she doesn't know what she's doing. And Rayanne's like, I got this. It's no problem. And she instantly turns it into phone sex by asking Brian what he's <laughs> Sharon's wearing. Sharon's face is just like And Brian terrifying. says, my, my, my brown corduroys, which everyone knows are the sexiest of all pants. <laughs> Well, he hasn't caught on yet. <laughs> no, no. And then it gets really sexy and awkward. But it works. Brian's but that was Rayan. Yeah, that was Rayanne's way of doing something nice for him. She knows yeah. him. She knows how horny he is. <laughs> yes. And she's like, yeah, she gets him all hot and bothered. And then at the end of the call, she's like, something about, are you still thinking about your problem? Yeah. And he says, look, I better get off before he hangs oh, up the God, phone. Oh, God, which was very funny. Yes. Yeah, that was a good. That was a great scene. So meanwhile, Patty is frantically searching for Angela because she realizes that she's gone back to the homeless warehouse on Tennessee, and she wants to go find her. Graham and Danielle stay at home to try to call the cops and figure out what's going on, and then they'll meet her somewhere. They say, and as Patty is out looking for Angela, she's increasingly seeing the connection between homeless kids and her own kid mm -hmm. she's you know that reality is setting in and she sees a missing poster at one point with juliana hatfield's face on it and then she sees juliana hatfield well but first she sees angela's boots in a crowd and thinks oh right oh, that's, that's right angela. that's why she, so she sees chases her, her. she she's sees like, oh my juliana god those same boots yeah and they end up right in front of a church mm -hmm. and that's when juliana hatfield says she repeats lines that she and Angela said during their fight or that Angela said during the fight. She says, I know because I'm no different from her and mm -hmm. I could be in her shoes. She could be in mine. Right. What I was wondering during this was how does that ghost wear Angela's boots? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had that. I was wondering that too. I was wondering that because you said that and then you said, that's the biggest problem I'm having with this episode. <laughs> But they laid it on so thick. It was. That it's scene absolutely the biggest the, problem I have with the episode. I could be in her shoes. Well, she could and be in then mine, and they literally are. And she is oh, in her shoes. God. Yes. But then I was like, God, finally we can just admit what's going on here. Patty asks her, "How did you die?" And she's really sad and like crying. And the girl says she froze. Yeah. It's fucking horrible. It's pretty dark. It's really, really fucking. What Horrible. this scene confirmed for me, though, it's even more evidence that, you know, because schizophrenia has a genetic component. Another issue I have as, you know, a boy who was raised in a good Catholic family like Ricky, that's not how angels or ghosts work. When you die, you don't become an angel. Humans don't die and become angels. So how does it work? Other ways, differently. How does one become an angel? You don't become an angel. Angels are angels. Well... Perhaps this is not a 
Catholic version of this type of storytelling. Oh, well, Jen, if you're telling a story about angels, it's a Catholic version. Agree to disagree. Okay. <laughs> That's fair. So um, finally, yes, we it is confirmed that she is an angel, just like I said. She is Clarence. Well, and... it's not confirmed quite yet. We still have one more scene where Patty goes in and sees no, Ricky praying. No, it's confirmed that she's dead, though. She's dead, yes. Patty goes in the church and sees Ricky and Angela. And they hug, and it's very sweet. It's beautiful, and there's a choir singing, and then Graham and, and, and Danielle show up, and the whole family's there. Can I just, real quick, I'm sorry. I just want to put a real quick plug in for Patty that she has realized at this point that she was totally wrong about Ricky. It just took a while. And yeah. not letting him stay. Yes. And I just want to put that out there. And again, the whole family ends up in church. Mm-hmm. Just like Danielle, or just like Angela wanted at the beginning of the episode. They're all there in church on Christmas Eve. And the choir is singing. So the very final scene in the show... <laughs> Mm-hmm. They do a little montage during the singing, too, and Jordan is alone in some window lighting a candle. That was, I wrote that down because that was important, too. Mm. And Sharon and Rayanne are friends and laughing and having a great time. And then the Chase family and Ricky walk out of the church, and you see someone watching them. Yeah, And like it's very clearly balcony. Juliana Hatfield and her mm-hmm. hair from, from behind. You just see it's like over her shoulder. And then she fucking flies away, and you see her angel wing come up and the robes. Well, yeah. Oh well, first God. she turns her head to the side, just in case oh, we right. hadn't figured out who she was, so that we could if, see her profile. In case we and thought it was some then, other random fucking person with a mullet. And then, <laughs> and then you see just just a little bit, enough, plenty, to know that it's a wing, that oh, it's an angel's yeah. wing. You don't see the entire wing. It's, it's plenty. It, the whole <laughs> like, thing is no, plenty. There's no question... And we both groaned, I think, at that point. I was like, groaning oh my God. the whole episode. I Especially think... Micah. Micah groaned. Ugh. Like when the... He, he really hated the, that part. I don't know. I The episode, I was fine with it. The wing at the end was unnecessary. Yeah. We It was obvious. What's the word for something that's not even unnecessary? Because every single heavy-handed piece of bullshit that they hit you over the head with during the rest of the episode was unnecessary so this extra thing at the end is what's that word i think that it the word is necessary it becomes then necessary oh because you've completed the cycle of necessity oh tell me more about this cycle of necessity well do you have diagrams and charts yes i do luckily this is a podcast so i I don't have to show them to anybody basically i'll try to describe one to you it's a circle (laughs) circle chart with the arrows uh-huh. pointing around the circle. And does it say right? like necessary, unnecessary, necessary it goes, again? It goes unnecessary, unnecessary, beating you over the head, unnecessary, and then necessary. Okay. Each arrow is a different sexual sexual Se- of the cycle. It's, it's a sexual necessity There's also chart? a chart of sexual necessity, and wow. that, that's a different shape. Let's talk about something else before okay. we lead ourselves into more sex podcast area (laughs) yes that's the name of our sex podcast the circle of necessity cycle of necessity it's cycle jesus oh god we already said the name of our sex podcast so that's everything we have to say about episode 15 right i think so yeah we're done yes thank god and all the angels 
episode 16 was called Resolutions. Um, yes. So we had our Christmas episode, and now we get our New Year's Eve episode. So here's the recap. The new year begins, and everybody makes their resolutions without resolving to keep them. <laughs> Ricky's home situation puts him on his own odyssey. Brian and Jordan do some mutual tutoring, and Graham considers Hallie's proposition with an S in parentheses. So propositions. Uh. Big clue there. So we were just discussing this episode and Micah was sharing with me that he didn't really take any notes on it. And by didn't really, I didn't at all. At all. That's what we mean. (laughs) And we were going to go through and watch the episode again, but I've decided, we've decided, we do things together here at, I never saw that, that I'm just going to read through my notes. Sweet. And Micah will respond as he feels fit, but I don't really want to go through the whole episode and just talk about every single thing that happened so we're gonna try to, we're gonna change this up mm-hmm. i think it's good so here we go episode 16 the resolutions are great so at the beginning every character is there's narration done by every character about what their resolution is what i was thinking is like a new year's resolution is to stop getting so caught up in my own thoughts because i'm like way too introspective yeah. And then it comes back to her later after a bunch of others, and it's like... But what if not thinking turns me into this really shallow person? I better rethink this becoming less introspective thing. It's very funny, because, yeah. of course, she's being introspective in the process of trying to not be introspective. And if she keeps that resolution, that doesn't bode well for the rest of the episodes, because... Right, because it's all about her... Yeah internal monologue sharon will never have sex with kyle again i resolve to never again have sex with kyle or anyone again unless i really love and respect them and you show them like post-coital on the couch and it's gross yes we see them i did not show them i don't know what you you mean by that you did not show them you said and you show them post-coital I, I said it that. It kind of freaked me out because I was <laughs> not there and I did not show them. Katimski gives up. Co- oh, yeah. Mr. T- T- K- <laughs> Mr. Katimski is back. Give up coffee. There. That's an easy one. And I was pretty excited about that. Brian. I resolve to stop obsessing over Angela Chase. Danielle. To add your mom into letting you wear makeup. That was her resolution. And she does keep that resolution throughout the episode. <laughs> I do remember that. Ricky. To find some place where I, like, really belong. Yeah. Mm. And then it, yeah, then it goes back to Angela where she's like, but if I stop thinking, what if I turn into a shallow person? Rayanne. To stop drinking. But this time, like, really stop. And this is the best part of my notes, because there was a Jordan resolution, and I just wrote, Jordan's is hilarious. (laughs) So I wrote down all these other ones, and then I just wrote, Jordan's is hilarious. Maybe you could just make up what you think his resolution was that I thought was so funny. Uh, I gotta get gas. Oh, no, I do remember what it was. Wait a second. Isn't tonight New Year's Eve? Oh, yeah, that's right. It wasn't a resolution. It wasn't a resolution. It was (laughs) was just just him him. driving in his car. 
I have a question though, because after I don't remember this, but after the resolution of the last episode where Patty comes around and accepts Ricky and everything, he's still homeless in this episode. No, he's not. At you didn't take notes on this. I know. My next note was Ricky's living with the Chases. He oh, so he, he has been living there. We don't know how well, probably a week since Christmas. Mm. He's been living there and he's like they show him in the kitchen helping do the dishes. Oh, right, he's right, like right. wearing an apron. He's yeah. super helpful around the house. And Patty and Graham having love there. having him. Um yeah, so he's living there. But they're still concerned about his family and if they're worried the reason about that, him. Yeah, so what happens is, like, here's the note. Here's the note I took. Ricky's leaving because he overheard Patty and Graham talking, but he's yeah. being an ass because they love him. What he what he heard them saying was, we can't just keep him here forever because they're worried that his family must be worried about him or missing him, right. which, of course, they're not. They but... still don't know the whole story. Yeah, right. They don't know really anything. So, yeah. So, yes, Ricky then is homeless again, and it pisses me off throughout this whole fucking episode because I'm like... Just go back to their house. Yeah. Didn't we go through they this? They want you to be there. Last episode? I understand. I mean, I, I I, understand he's he doesn't feel like he belongs. Next note, all caps. No! Fucking Kyle loves Sharon. Oh, yeah. That was his resolution. His resolution was to was spend like, more time with her and have sex with her more, time with probably. his dog and, and Sharon. Sharon or something And then he like says that. that he loves her. He tells her he loves her. And Rayanne watches it. Ew, it's horrible. Oh, because they come in, Sharon's going to try to break up with Kyle, and they pop into some closet, and Rand's making out with some guy in there. Oh, that's right. And that's when Kyle tells Sharon, I love you, and Rand watches the whole thing. Yeah, and Rand kind of teases Sharon about it, but Sharon's like feeling bad because she does not love Kyle. No, but she does love Brad Pitt, we find out. Oh, yeah. Next note. Tino will give Ricky a ride. <laughs> no, he won't. Yeah, exactly. I don't know where he was oh. going to give him a ride to, but I wrote it down and guaranteed that didn't happen. Who would believe that when Ricky says that? Who would say, oh, Tino will give you a ride? Okay. That sounds like you have a plan then. Well, I don't know if Ricky said that. I think he did. He said... Tino will give me a ride. Yeah. To where? I don't remember. See, I didn't write any context down. Such a bad liar. That's not even believable. Next note, Graham and Hallie. Yep. End of note. Those are two characters. There's a lot going on with Graham and Hallie in this yeah, episode. There a whole is. Lot. And I don't like it. Well, they're going to start the restaurant is what ultimately ends up happening. They decide to start the restaurant. Oh, and Graham. I forgot about Graham's resolution. Do you remember his? To tell Hallie Lowenthal once and for all that I'm not going into the restaurant business with her. And to stop all those long talks with her after class. So right from the beginning, you know that shit's going down, which we've always sort of... Mm-hmm wondered but she had a fiance and all that but she doesn't anymore well she does throughout the whole episode and then graham agrees to do the restaurant with her and they find this great space at the end she's in the space where they're gonna have the restaurant and she's like it's standing against the wall and it's been it's raining so she's all wet and she's crying and as soon as graham walked in there i was like oh she and her fiance broke up yeah which they did and then she does she like profess her love to him or some shit Kind of, and it's really annoying. I don't she, they don't how it say goes. anything, but they talk around it, and right. they both know what's going on. And mm-hmm. yeah, so that's how that was left. Maybe they're gonna hook up, and maybe they're not. I don't know. Next note: Jordan's not smart. So that's still true. <laughs> okay, so Ricky, Ricky tells 
Katimsky everything. Mm. And it's the first time you've seen Ricky tell someone everything. So he has this person that he feels like he can trust. And then Katimsky goes to the counselor with Ricky and they talk right. about the situation. And the counselor says she knows a place. Yeah. It's called Pride House. Yeah. By the way, I wrote the fact that it's called Pride is ironic unless it's for gay kids. Which it might be, but... It might be, but they don't ever say that, no, so I don't think so. it's just so. like a halfway house type thing. Um, she describes it to him, and Ricky's really He's hesitant like, at first, yeah. but then he kind of starts to come around on it, and when he... It seems like he's kind of accepted it, like, okay, this could be a good step. Right. And he comes back to talk to Katimsky yeah. later. And they find out it'll be... There's like a long waiting list. Of course there is. I mean, this is real stuff. Yeah. Like, that is... That all seemed really real and very frustrating to me, and I. And Katimsky's pissed. Yeah, and, he's and pissed I at and, himself, and well, he's pissed at the system, and yeah, and you can imagine where I could imagine having been in schools and stuff, and mm -hmm. that if a kid came to you and told you that, that you would think going to this person was the right thing to do, you know, like hey, let's go talk to the counselor. Yeah. That person's going to have all the resources This is the for... protocol. They have the refer references and referrals. And, yeah, yeah, they know what to do next. Right. And then, of course, you know, it's not that the counselor did anything wrong. It's just that the system doesn't work. Mm -hmm. So there's like a two-week waiting period or something. Or just they don't know. It and they have no time. solution in the meantime? Or right. do they? Did, they don't suggest like foster care or anything? That's weird. Yeah. And we that also, was really frustrating. We overhear Ricky at one point, like he called, he's on the phone and he's calling the phone company or something because there's no, his family moved, I think, is what happened. Oh my God. I they just that. took off and he's saying to the person on the phone, but they, they, they would leave, leave a forwarding address me. or a number. People don't do that. They don't just leave. Oh, Ricky. Yeah. Um, and does Katimsky hear him saying that? I think he does. And that's why he starts to get involved too. But yeah, I think so. I think Ricky actually leaves class and then he's on the phone in yeah. the hall. And I just, I love Katimsky right now. Okay. Next note. Brian didn't respect Jordan, but now he does because Jordan can get pussy. Oh God. And then, <laughs> can I just read this uh, next note and then yeah. we can talk about <laughs> uh, this is in quotation marks. I need to sharpen my pencil. That's Brian after Jordan's been talking to him about girls. And mm -hmm. I wrote more like unsharpen my boner. Am I right? I don't think that's how that works. <laughs> more like, okay. Because he has a boner. Yeah, I got that. Yeah, so Brian and Jordan are tutoring partners. Brian is tutoring Jordan. Yes. And it's going Brian, really well. Brian signed up to tutor, and he gets paired with Jordan, and he's super upset about it, and he tries to quit. And then... But the then very, it works out well, because it's a little yeah. tit for tat, you know, quid pro quo. More like tit for boner, am yeah, I right? Yeah, tit or for wait. tutoring. No, wait. No, wait. It would be boner for math or something. Yeah, okay. I think mine's or better. Or tit for math. Tit for tutoring is what I said. Tit for math we said almost the perfect rhymes. One. With tat. Okay. Guess we're going to have a little poll. It's a brainstorming. Uh, it's brainstorming. There are no bad ideas. Except... Well, yours were pretty bad. Mine was good, though. Um, anyway, it's working out well because Jordan's getting tutored and Brian is getting tutored in how to pick up ladies. Right. That's, that's sort of the arrangement they've worked out. And Jordan is gross. 
um, because there's yeah. that there's a moment where a girl comes and asks Brian to borrow something. Well, cause, and she's this, another tutor. This is how the whole thing starts. And then Brian's she walks like, away and Jordan immediately says, she'd have sex with you. Yeah. Out she of would, nowhere. She'd have sex with you. Like he, as if he is just so in tune with the energy of girls and their sexuality mm-hmm. that he just knows when a girl is interested in anyone. So then he goes to get her number just to show Brian that he can do it. And he gives Brian the and number. he gave it to Brian. Still yeah. not clear if he asked for the number for Brian. I think so. Or just for himself because he's Jordan Catalano. Who fucking knows? I don't know. So that's, I felt like it was a pretty stereotypical trope of the the smart kid who doesn't know how to get the girl mm-hmm. and the super hot asshat that doesn't know how to do math. But they found a way to work together. I love the voices. Keep doing voices. Okay. Well, I'll try to do a voice for this next note. Yes. This next note I took is Patty's crying is the worst. Mm, it's I, so fake. I don't remember how it sounded, not. but I'll try. <laughs> that was too believable. Well, I just did a really loud cry. It was a loud cry. <laughs> we had to delete because it would have hurt your eardrums. Yeah. Anyway, her crying's the worst. I don't remember what she's crying about. But she's crying in yeah. whatever scene it was. It was pretty terrible. And whatever it was about. It was memorable, though. <laughs> it was not memorable. She won her first daytime Oscar for that, I believe. That's, I think that... Those, wait, I, those aren't a thing. And I know that. And the show wasn't on in the daytime. And I know that. Mm. That's a good... Those are good points. It was what's called a joke. Okay. Well, I you know, I've always heard and believed that the best joke is the one you have to explain mm-hmm. in uh, detail i wasn't so much explaining i was preempting the all the tweets all, all the tweets, the tweets <laughs> about get. that fucking idiot micah talking about daytime oscars oh i'm trying to stop using ableist language by the yes, way i'm sorry i'm really trying to again. stop okay that fucking douche canoe micah talking mm-hmm. about daytime oscars yeah i like that you use douche canoe we're trying really hard to use to not use ableist language and other language that can be hurtful to people. But there are some words that are just so commonly used that they just kind of fly out of our mouths. So, for example, idiot tends to be one of those words. Well, now we have to bleep that out, too. Idiot tends to be one of those words. So we are replacing it with douche canoe. Yes. I do want to point out that the last time you said that, you looked at me very intently as you said the word. The word what? Idiot? Yes, because you like to call me that sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I probably will keep calling you that, but I think on our podcast, um, I'm going to try to be less ableist. Okay. Um, We're working on it. Yeah, we're working on it. And please call us out if we say bad stuff. Call us douche canoes. Anyway, so I think that Patty might have been crying because she thinks that Graham is having an affair with Hallie, which Mm -hmm. he isn't technically yet, but... She's not wrong because, mm-hmm. and the way she realizes it was interesting, and you were really confused about it at the time, but Graham's brother comes over. Yeah. And Patty is talking to him in the kitchen. Graham's not home yet. And Patty's like, so what do you think about this whole restaurant thing? And he doesn't know what she's talking about. And Graham's, Patty, But Graham's brother seems like a bit of a douche canoe. He's, often. yes, I think so. Um, and he doesn't pick up on anything either. And so he's just totally clueless. He's like, no, what? 
He didn't say anything to me about that. And she keeps pressing. Well, what like, is he supposed to do? Lie for, to protect well, his brother? Yeah, he would. He's done it before. Well, yeah, if he thought, yeah, but he didn't know it was a thing. Yeah. So, so anyway, she's like, he hasn't told you about, he's like, you know, with Hallie, I forget her last name, but you know, with Hallie Lowenthal. Lowenthal. He's like, Hallie Lowenthal. I've never even heard that name. And that's yeah. when Patty realizes this is significant that he hasn't told his brother about it. So she knew that something was off. Yeah. So probably that's why she was crying. But here's my next note. Or do you have more to say? No. Next note. You must have lost this. I found it hanging from a urinal. Oh, God. Do you remember what that yes, was? Because I don't. stuffed bear that Kyle gave to Sharon. Oh, God. Yeah. Because he loves her. He loves her. And that's what he you do. so much. When you love someone, you give them the stuffed bear. But yeah. why was it hanging from a urinal? Because she... I gave think she it ended to... up, she told Brian about it, but not, they were, it, again, it was one of those parallel conversation things. Brian was talking about Jordan and Angela and how he can't tutor her and... Tutor him. Tutor him. And Sharon was talking about how she has to break up with Kyle, but they weren't saying any of these things. They were talking in generalities where they each thought they were still talking about the same thing, mm. but they were just talking and she's holding the bear. And mm-hmm. she's feeling really guilty about it. And she's like, you have to just be honest with people. And so then she gives it to Brian or something or in frustration, just like throws it at him or hands it to him. And he takes it and doesn't know what to do with it. And then it ends up in the bathroom and somebody hangs it from a urinal, apparently. But and who? Kyle finds it. Oh, Kyle. And hands it back to Sharon. And it's like, you forgot this. I found it hanging from a no. urinal. Because the quote is, you must have lost. Oh, you must have lost this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Sorry. In my mind, the quote was, this must belong to you. Because in my mind, it was someone making fun of someone by saying that, of course, their possessions would be hanging from a urinal. But that wasn't the quote. So not only did I not write any context down about the quote, but I wrote the quote down correctly and and misunderstood it. And you created a whole world and episode of your own to go around the quote. Okay, next note. I think it's really interesting that you you took notes, and yet I remember the episode. Yeah, no, I knew that was how this was going to go, actually. (laughs) I think that this might be a thing to try more often, where we watch, you don't take notes, I take my crappy notes, and then it sparks your memory. And we have a good conversation about it. Maybe I don't watch things anymore. Okay, next Next note. note, and this is one of my favorite parts about this episode. Brad Pitt gets Sharon hot. Yes. I wrote, yes. don't blame her. As in, I don't blame her. Oh, but we got that. Thelma and Louise is also a great movie. Uh, you must have lost this. Oh. I found it hanging from a urinal. Thanks. Ah, uh, Kyle, we really have to talk. Listen, um, I rented this video, and I thought maybe we could hang at your place tonight, like watch it. There's something that I have to explain. It's it's that movie where these two like housewives are like on the run in this convertible. They're babes, but they're like really old babes. Kyle, look. Who else is in it? You know that guy. Brad Pitt. Yeah, yeah, he's hitchhiking, and they pick him up. He's like wearing a cowboy hat, like no shirt. And, and next thing you know, bam! Brad Pitt and that wacky babe are like going at it in this cheap hotel, like all night long. What did you want to explain? Nothing. How about 7.30? It's fantastic. After Sharon's resolution about how she's not going to have sex with Kyle anymore, they get together and watch A River Runs Through It, and she gets super hot watching Brad Pitt, and so she has sex with him. 
Thelma and Louise is a fucking great movie. I love it so much. And Brad Pitt is beyond hot in that movie. And yeah. it was kind of his first major role, so. You want to watch Thelma Actually, and Louise Actually, well, did later? it come out, like, at this time? Or had it been out for a while by now? That's not why I'm asking. Anyway, so Sharon agrees to watch the movie because she's like, ooh, yeah. Brad Pitt is hot. Mm-hmm. Although, here's what I'm thinking. Like, get yourself a fucking vibrator, you know? Stop having sex with this douche. Also, yeah. if you really want to have sex with somebody, find somebody else. There's a million people you could that have you sex like. with that you would be better people. And that you wouldn't feel guilty about because he told you he loved you and you're just using him for sex. Get yourself a vibrator, girl. Next note. This is uh, one sentence. Patty's so happy that Graham wants to open the restaurant instead of telling her he's having an affair, but he wants to open a restaurant with the woman she thought he was having an affair with, and that's fine? Yeah, that was a weird scene. He says, I need to tell you something. She steals herself for the news that he's having an affair, and he says he wants to do the restaurant. And she's so relieved. Well, because that she, she thinks she was wrong the whole time. She thinks she was imagining it and she was wrong. And she thinks that he just hasn't been being honest about wanting to do the restaurant because he has been hedging the whole time. Right. He keeps telling her, no, I told you I don't want to do it. Yeah. She's like, it's so risky and blah, blah, blah. And she's just finally happy that he's being honest. And that's what you've been keeping from me. And that's what's been so weird. Yeah. It's pretty fucking naive. But yeah. Next note. Of course, it's a major storm when Ricky's stuck outside in the phone booth. Yes, he is stuck, homeless. He's, homeless. he's wandering. And it's really stormy. He does go to a shelter. There's a shelter he stays at for a night or two, maybe, but he just can't deal with it. And oh, it's that's right. Yeah, crowded and gross and scary. Well, and some yeah, I think it was like intimidating. Some of the kids yeah. there were. Um, and so he leaves, and he calls Mr. Katimsky. And it's painful. It's such a desperate situation. You know, it's. January in the last episode it was snowy I don't remember if there was snow in this episode but it's clearly very cold outside he is in a very dire situation mm-hmm. and I I just he's wish she eating. would fucking go back sleeping. to Angela's house it's very frustrating it is and so he calls Mr. Katimsky and you can tell of course that what he wants is for Katimsky to invite him to come over and stay at his house but Katimsky is feeling we find out in a little bit here that he is not feeling comfortable about that even though it's like you can tell he wants to he wants to and he's like do you have a place to stay and ricky's like oh yeah i have a place to stay or and he knows he's lying yeah he can tell he's lying but he basically tells himself that everything's gonna be okay and my next note is katimsky has a partner or husband so when we see it kind of zooms out you know from the Mm -hmm. phone so it the plot kind of thickens the next note i took here is I hate myself, but I can't, he said. Mm -hmm. And then his partner says, don't hate yourself. And it was totally a callback to when Katimsky told Ricky, Mm -hmm. nobody should hate who they are. And I think that Ricky knows that Katimsky is gay, too, or has a sense. Like, he he just has a comfort level with him. And I think that's part of it, too, is that there is – he feels like this person understands him. He's made it clear to Ricky that he – can identify with him and yes. understands what he's going right. through without fitting saying in. It. And, yeah. yeah. And yeah, that scene was really hard because Katimsky is, he's like talking to himself almost. You're thinking, why didn't I tell him that he could stay here tonight? You're thinking, no, I'm not. Well, I am. 
we all know what could happen if if we did take him in. If he got out, you realize what people could make of it? I'd lose my job, be crucified. I didn't say anything. What am I supposed to do? Just decide like that, that I'm the solution to some kid's life? How egotistical is that? hate myself, but I can't. Don't hate yourself. And it's totally legitimate because, first of all, any teacher having a kid stay at their house would be suspect, although in the 90s, maybe not as much. Now it would be pretty much unheard of. Although, fuck, I mean, I would do it in a second if a kid called me and they were homeless, in the of, the of night, course. Homeless, yeah. yeah. But for him, he it, there's this added loaded shit about, like, being a gay man. Mm-hmm. And what people would assume about him and that relationship. And it's really... And his career would be fucking over. Fucking sad. And, yeah. yeah. But then Ricky decides to show up at his house mm-hmm. anyway. He knocks on the door. And it's so... Like, they just hug. And Ricky... I'm going to start crying. <laughs> anyway, they um they hug. Ricky shows up at his house. And he, he just hugs him. And Ricky just starts sobbing. Which he hasn't done with anybody. Like, he hasn't been able to do that with anyone he's been so guarded this whole time even with rayanne you know even with his friends and well he has this connection to katimsky and it's so it's just really sweet i mean and ricky sees his partner there and realizes too and katimsky's response is great he just hugs him and says and of course invites him in and what are you gonna do yeah i mean my thought right then was oh man i hope he adopts him or something (sighs) but probably more likely you know, it's going to get out and he's going to lose his fucking job yeah. or something terrible is going to happen. But man, wouldn't it be cool if it just went well and he adopted Ricky and Ricky had a family where he belonged and, oh, it'd be so great. Yeah. In I don't feel super hopeful about that. I don't but, know that that's realistic. Well, even if he just moved in with them and somehow that worked out, you know. Anyway, that's kind of the end of the Ricky. That's kind of the end of the episode, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, the only other notes I have here, scene with Hallie is predictable. The stuff with Graham and Hallie is supposed to be super dramatic and affecting, and I just don't care. Yeah. And I really just, I mean, I, I care for Patty's sake. I just, I don't know. Hallie is, is like, a, a likable character, and she's fine, but I don't care about her, really. So the fact that she broke up with her fiancé didn't affect me, first of all. And then... And I can't really tell how Graham feels about her either. Yeah. So there isn't this like great love that they have that no, would make she's me a really feel minor something. Character and she's yeah, not super developed, and she's just there to be. Well, and so I, d- I mean, I just want, like, do you have a prediction about that? Do you think they're going to open the restaurant? Do you think they're not going to open the restaurant? Do you think they're going to? I mean, I don't think. I think he's not going to I mean, run I off have with her. A prediction, but I also kind of remember. Oh, you've seen this before. I forgot. Things are coming back to me. As they do. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, well, Graham and Hallie, we don't know what's going to happen there, and we don't know what's going to happen with Ricky and Katimsky. Sharon and Kyle are still boning, (laughs) as long as Brad Pitt movies are around. Thelma and Louise is fucking great. I think we all agree on that. Thankfully, not a lot of Angela and Jordan. Yeah, I was going to say, what even happened with Angela in this episode? Oh, there was one scene during the tutoring where she comes in and sees Brian and, and Jordan tutoring and he mm-hmm. she asks something like, Can I can I do anything to help? Because she signed him up for tutoring, right? She signed Jordan up, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. And then she says something else like Oh, and it's, oh, she apologizes. It's because... She's like, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have signed you up, but I did and 
is there anything else I can do? And he says something like, you could have sex with me. Oh, God, yes, that's and right. And she just starts giggling and backs out oh, of the room. Oh, she gets really – it's, like, yeah. the most – it, like, was painful to watch. It was really great, actually. Yeah. She was so awkward. You could have sex with me, though, <laughs> if you really want to help. Oh, oh God. <laughs> Oh my I guess that's a no. I'll let you get back to your work. But she signed him up for tutoring because she had been doing his homework for him yes, and stuff, remember? That's right. At the very and beginning it, of the episode. She was like... She did resolve to not do his homework anymore. Right. Yeah. And then she stuck with it because he actually said you can't do this anymore you can't do my homework because you're not we're not right that's right it was him so it wasn't her but she claims it and says well at least i kept that resolution yeah basically he said it'd be different if we were having sex yeah yeah so things are really coming to a close we only have well we i never saw that only has two episodes left of my so-called life and we have three left to watch Mm -hmm. and i'm very very nervous (laughs) <laughs> I really want some happy endings for some people, particularly Ricky and Ran, and uh, I hope that we get that. Yeah, I'm not expecting a whole lot of good resolution because it was the show was canceled. They were expecting to yes, do more. Yes, that is true. Uh, yeah, then that I I have to keep that in mind when it breaks my heart at the end. Maybe is that they were planning for a second season. So I think maybe what we're going to do is just make up the second season yes. and we'll just talk about it. We'll just do, we'll do all the different characters and voices. Um, I have been thinking about getting into audio drama. I think that would be really, really fucking cool. And so I think that we're going to, I'm going to jump into that right here. That could be great because on we've, our been, podcast. we've been concerned about not knowing how long this podcast could go on once Jen <laughs> watches and listens to everything, everything and mm-hmm. reads all the books and does, you know everything that she missed what are we going to talk about but i think we might as well just make this a my so-called life podcast where we do season two Mm -hmm. um and i'll be starring as brian krakow oh Oh, no that was great did you want to introduce some characters that you're going to be voicing yeah yeah hey you seen tino oh wait let me do my tino okay ready that was it get it oh yeah I can also do, oh, this is my fucking Kyle, but uh, Sharon, I love you. That's pretty good. Yeah. You, you got any you nope, want to do? Nope, I'm done. So oh. let's wrap this up. So do you, can we I do, are, can oh, I do one more? Okay. No, I was kidding. Good. Thank God. Thank you so much for listening again. Yeah, that's it for episodes 15 and 16 of My So-Called Life, and I never saw that for this week. Please tell your friends to listen to I Never Saw That. If you'd like to have some postcards, we can send you some and you could pass them out to people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or if you become a Patreon supporter, you'll get a postcard too. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, tell your friends, tell your family. Yes, please do that. And thank you to Minus Violet for our music. Thank you to Fifi Folios for all of our internet support. And thank you to Grandma Cray for our artwork. Until next time. See, See you in, in the, the 90s. 90s.
见。